Cowboy shit is back in AEW. That's right. Hangman Page returns. And now he's got a shot at that AEW World Championship. We talk about it next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, Hangman Page comes back after a long-awaited return. Not only that, he wins the casino ladder match as the Joker. And not the first time he was the Joker. And both times when he was the Joker... He was the obvious pick as the Joker, and he was the obvious person to win the casino-style ladder match. But regardless, the fans went apeshit for it, rightfully so. What are your thoughts on Hangman coming out as the Joker and winning this thing? Well, as you you pointed out, it was definitely something that I think a lot of people saw coming. But even though everybody kind of anticipated him being the Joker, it didn't necessarily hurt the impact that he had in the match, and it didn't hurt the outcome of the match, as you could tell by the reaction of the crowd. Right. Um, him being back on track and him being back on dynamite going to challenge for the title, I think is something that um, is the right, the right choice. We've talked about it for a long time. I think that the one thing we were worried about is, was he going to have the same momentum? Would he be able to capitalize on the cowboy shit and be as over as he was before he decided to leave? And before they kind of transitioned Daniel Bryan into being into a feud with uh, Kenny Omega. And Mm -hmm. as far as last night, uh, as far as we could tell from last night, it seems like he's right back on track. He didn't lose any momentum, and that's certainly encouraging because you would think he's probably going to be the guy that's going to take the belt off Omega. Right, and, you know, last night I felt like the crowd wasn't too rambunctious or as loud as a typical Philadelphia crowd, but when he came out as the Joker, even though it was predictable, right. it was huge. They ate it up and they were going nuts. It was easily the big pop, the biggest pop of the night. And obviously it was a big show. It was the anniversary show. So those that were skeptical and you and I were both pretty skeptical. Could he get the momentum back? Could, are the fans going to be behind him when he comes back? Knowing that CM Punk is here, knowing that Daniel Bryan is here. Is he on the back burner? And they answered it last night going with absolutely not. So now the question is, Does this match happen at Full Gear? Does this match happen on the show after Full Gear, which is in his home state of Virginia? Or does it happen beforehand on TV? Uh, I would imagine if they're going to have this match main event somewhere, it should probably main event the pay-per-view. I agree. I mean, they've they've certainly given... I mean, last night was a perfect example of it. Dynamite, or just AEW in general, has been kind of prone to giving away some really... Um, star-studded main events with some really high-caliber talent. So I couldn't put it past them to put a match together like Hangman and Omega main event. I can't put it past them. But at the same time, that's a match to me that has to main event a pay-per-view. Yeah, I totally agree. But you bring up star-studded caliber main events, and that's what we had for the opening match of AEW Dynamite. They went straight to it. No introductions. They just went right into the match. The Super Elite making up the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Adam Cole against the Jurassic Express, Christian Cage, and Brian Danielson. Mm -hmm. This match was, in a simple term, as the lower third says on our screen right now, chaotic. As, you know, as we see with typical matches with Rick Knox officiating, you know, he's not going to really enforce tag rules, and guys were in the ring, they were out of the ring, moving pieces all over the place. There was some good stuff in this match, but, and I know I got it. This is awesome chant, but to me, I felt 
like something was missing in this match. I can't quite pinpoint it, but I felt like it was a very linear match in that it just went from point A to point B to point C to point D, and there wasn't much going on. Like They just were going from their spot to spot to spot without it really having a direction, if you will. And not only that, um, well, first of all, the match itself, I, I, I kind of gave up on AEW with these four and five man tag matches. And obviously they've done more than that. I think not too long ago, they had, what was it like a 12 man tag or something like that? Well, last week was a six man, 16 man tag. Okay. 16. So, you know, the, any four or more, I mean, it seems like with AEW, I've given up on them a long time ago that they're going to try to follow some type of uh, uh, rules and, and anything like that. So I, I just try to enjoy them for what they are. And for the most part, what ends up happening, at least when I'm watching these matches, there's certain parts in the match that I really like. And there's certain parts is parts of these matches that I really dislike. Um, mm-hmm. And this match was no different. There were right. spots that I liked the response that I didn't like. Now, going back to your point where you said, you know, something was off with the match. Um, I, to me, it was, you had all these guys that were feuding, they put them all in a match together and there was like nothing on the line, you know, other than just maybe um, somebody winning and somebody losing. So somebody was going to take the win and somebody was going to lose this match. Obviously um, there was just no drama, nothing to really be invested in other than knowing that you're going to get a good match out of it, which is fine. But at the same time, it's not like they're just taking like, you know, Matt Hardy's group and some other group and, and throwing to, them together in some obscure, obscure match. These are guys that have been main eventing. These are guys right. that have been positioned to make to feel important and they're opening the night and they're all just kind of thrown in there together for really, you know, no reason other than putting the match together and having a match on the card. So, you know, yeah, something was missing. The match was kind of chaotic at certain points. Uh, Luchasaurus had a good comeback. Uh, my favorite spot in the match was Adam Cole uh, pretending to do the suicide dive. And then stopping to do his signature Adam Cole baby. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was okay. And the only real thing I got out of it was Jungle Boy was a major focal point in basically the first half of this match. Yep. And then they did the spot where Christian Cage took the is it the indie taker or the Meltzer driver? Is indie there a taker. difference? Is there a difference between that move? Like, what is the difference between an indie taker and a Meltzer driver? To me, they're like the exact same move. Could someone please explain this to me in the comments, the difference between an indie taker and a Meltzer driver? Them, I think one of them, they flip. the Meltzer, I think the Meltzer driver, one of them does a flip and, like, you know, put, pushes the guy down. And then the other one, I don't know. Yes, I'd have to go back and watch it. I don't think he flipped. I think he just jumped off the top rope and spiked him. Okay, so that makes it the indie taker when he's just jumping. Apparently. I, right. I whatever guess. whatever the case may be. So that was a, a major, that was a focal point in the match too, where, oh, now, now that's four on three, Christian Cage, you know, is now hurt. And they obviously played into the role of his injuries. I liked how commentary brought that up. But. I think even the crowd, I think even the crowd at times were just not into it. And like, this is Philadelphia we're talking about. They're supposed to be like in everything and getting involved in every match. And I just felt like, I I just don't know. It, was there something in the water last night? They just were not well, a typical Philly f- 
crowd. Adam Cole was obviously super over, so they popped through right. anything he did. When they Brian did the Kenny Danielson, Nobles thing, yeah, which was Brian, good. When Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega finally got their face to face in the match, they popped big for that. And then other than that, I mean, it was the typical spots that you get. You had the Young Bucks did their thing. Um, Luchasaurus always has very similar comeback spots, which last night I thought he looked really good. Um, and you know, I don't know, Adam Cole did, they did the spot where Adam Cole had somebody in like, uh, the, the, whatever you want to call it, Steiner recliner or camel clutch. And then mm-hmm. they go back and forth. And was that the spot the where they kissed and, the bucks? Yeah. You kissed them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know there's people going to say that was an awesome match, but I don't, I just felt like it was a decent match, but something was missing, but I've seen it. Yeah. Exactly. I've seen every pretty much everything that happened in that match last night. We've seen some variation at some point down the line with just about all those guys in the same similar spots. Right. Now, something that we've seen a lot of in repetition recently is CM Punk in that second slot on AEW Dynamite coming out. And, you know, he does his thing. He does his dive across the crowd and he cuts a promo. And in his promo, he asked people, is he getting too old? Are you getting too old of CM Punk? And then there was the, you know, reminiscing about Philadelphia. And, you know, there was him possibly buying cheesesteaks for everybody. And he asked, do you want to see me wrestle? Or do you want to see me? Or do you want a a cheesesteak? And, well, most people were saying, we want to see you wrestle. You know, there was a troglodyte in the crowd going, you know, I really could go for a cheesesteak right now. And freshly a free one from CM Punk, of course I'll take the key steak. But, you know, it was a challenge. It was a challenge to Daniel Garcia, which is very interesting. So, Ralph, let me ask you this. Are you getting too old of CM Punk already? Uh, no. No, I, I think that at some point the um, victory lap is going to get old. But the fact that he's going to be wrestling tomorrow is certainly encouraging. Um, right. The fact that he's wrestling a good young up and comer is also encouraging because it seems like uh, he's not being rushed to the main event, which is okay because he's CM Punk. His name's always going to hold the value. Um, But most importantly, he seems to be enjoying himself. Right. Giving the sneakers to the kids uh, interact, jumping off the, the, the stage into the the crowd and all those things. So uh, he's enjoying his time there. And look, he's going to challenge for the title. I'd imagine at some point, um, they got other guys that they're positioning in the right spots, you know, upper mid card and, and top main eventers. So mm-hmm. let him do his thing. Right now. I'm not getting too old of CM Punk or I'm not getting tired of CM Punk. I just want to see something else progress with him, at least get him in some kind of storyline. It doesn't have to be, you know, for the title or anything. I just want him to do something. It's similar to what we saw when Sting came out where he was just doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's just, I just don't want them to fall into that same trap with CM Punk, where he's just doing his same thing. He's coming out. He's doing his victory lap. He's cutting the same promo. He's reminiscing. And then he challenges, and then he has the match on Rampage. And it's just a lot of rinse, rather repeat. I don't Mm -hmm. want to see that happen as, you know, the norm with him. Because then, eventually, people are going to get too tired. But I'm with you. I don't think it's... Too, it's not that at that point yet, but quickly before we move on, what do you think of AJ Lee getting back into wrestling? Speaking of uh, CM Punk returning, now his wife, AJ Lee, getting involved as executive producer of WOW Wrestling. 
uh, of all the places she would wind up, that would be the least of the, I would never have guessed that, you know, <laughs> right. obviously I, I would have guessed back to WWE, maybe AEW, um, I, I don't know, impact. Uh, so when, when I heard the news, I was definitely shocked, but yeah. Um, I, I'm sure at some point we'll see her in AEW. Yeah. I, I was surprised, you know, obviously it's a producer role. So that leaves you to question whether or not she'll get back into the ring. I was actually surprised that they announced that they're going to have a, a syndication deal with Viacom CBS. So that's a pretty big deal. Now, is it primetime television? No, but, you know, getting CBS Network, so it's either probably going to be the CW or your local CBS affiliate, probably on the weekends, depending on where you live in the country. That's still pretty good. Another wrestling promotion getting some type of national TV deal. Just You just got to love it for, you know, the industry as a whole. But let's move on. Sammy Guevara does retain the TNT championship against Bobby Fish. Um, I don't know if this was a tryout match or it was already determined before the show, but Bobby Fish does sign with AEW. It's announced afterwards. I thought this was one, either the best or the second best match of the night. I thought the great dynamic of Bobby Fish's uh, ground ability with the the roundhouse kick being told the story. If he lands it, he's going to win the match against Sammy Guevara's agility, high-flying approach. Really told the story here, um, and I really like the the GTH finish. And honestly, I don't know if it was a hell of a sell job by Bobby Fish, but it looked like the way Bobby Fish got hit, he got concussed. And that was a good finish knowing everybody's okay there. Yeah. And I didn't watch this match until after, uh, this afternoon, really. Um, I didn't, I didn't watch it last night. I had to watch it this afternoon and, you know, I saw some people commenting saying that Bobby fish did not look good in this match. And then I watched it back and I was like, well, I, I didn't see it. I, this, this match to me was, was perfectly fine. I think mm-hmm. the one thing that maybe stood out was, you know, Bobby fish coming from NXT, probably learning, the more uh, WWE-esque style, which is fine. And even in NXT, they don't really work the traditional, like, um, you know, um, main roster style. But mm-hmm. he's probably wor- used to, a- accustomed to working a certain way with a, with a certain group of guys. And, you know, going in there with a guy like Sammy Guevara, who's a high flyer, he usually works pretty fast and all, th- all those types of things. Um, and one, it made for a good contrast. I thought the match was fine. And, and two, he probably just had to adjust to that. So... Um, I had no issue with the match. I thought it was really good. Sammy Guevara, good first title defense. Right. And afterwards, let's touch on this a little bit. We have the American top team, not the full team, but they surround the ring. They beat down on Sammy Guevara. Chris Jericho and Jake Hager come out, not the full inner circle. So Santana and Ortiz was missing. Uh, and then Dan, yeah. uh, this, this whole thing was just, I felt like a mess and incomplete. I just felt it was incomplete would be the way I would grade this because one, where's Ethan page Two, where's Santana and Ortiz. You have the crowd singing along to Judas and you have Dan Lambert just letting them finish when he know, like, if you want them to shut up, talk over them. Just like Ethan page talked over the what chance last week. That's how you get them to shut up. Don't let them sing along. And then you're just like, Oh, I hate this song. Not again. You guys need to, Talk, talk over them, get to your point. And, you know, we find out 
Junior Dos Santos is going to be in a six-man tag with the men of the year against Jericho, Hager, and Sammy Guevara. Are you at all excited for this match? Uh, no, no. I, well, <laughs> there's certain elements of this feud that really have me turned off. Uh, and, and the main thing is just sometimes when they try to work certain angles with guys from boxing or guys from sports or entertainment or whatever, it works because somebody has to have a certain particular attitude approach mystique about them. Like with Ronda Rousey, when she had that interaction with Stephanie McMahon and triple H at WrestleMania, the first time with the rock, Mm -hmm. it worked, it clicked. Um, you know, there's a million other examples that you can look to where it didn't work. Mike Tyson, that worked. This to me, Dan Lambert, Dan Lambert is good in his role. He's really good. But the fact that they're bringing all these MMA guys and and they did this in TNA and I hated it in TNA too with Rampage and Tito. You know, they're pinning the guys down and they're dropping elbows on them, and you could tell that they're not used to to wrestling. They're just used to you know actually fighting, and it it, it just looks really fake and, yeah. and it, it just draws attention to the fact that you know this is this is this is like predetermined and it, and and they're trying to be safe with one another um and and on top of that Jericho dropping Junior Dos Santos I mean granted yeah maybe in a street fight like one out of a million times that could happen but it's not happening in real life like in an octagon anywhere and it's one thing to try to blur the lines between what's real and what's predetermined or, or staged, if you, whatever you want to call it. And I just don't like sometimes when they try to do add elements of things like this that just draw attention to how um, staged wrestling can look when it's not done right. Right. And that's what I think this is doing. Right. And not only that, they had the numbers advantage. You know, yeah. even when Jericho and Hager come yeah. out, like if they're they not had, clearing the ring. Right. Right. So if at least if Santana and Ortiz are there, at least it evens things up or close to even things up to where it kind of makes sense. But like a 50 year old Jericho and Jake Hager, who, let's face it, he's in Bellator. The other guys have done stuff outside of Bellator and in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. You're the MMA guy. I'm not. So these guys are former UFC guys, right? Uh, most, if not all were. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, it makes it unrealistic. So, like I said, it's an incomplete segment. And the one guy that comes out of this, like a star last week, where the hell was he? Where is Ethan page? Where? Yeah. N- nowhere to be found. Yep. But you know what was found last night? The huge announcement of the TBS championship. It is a secondary women's title, which to my recollection, no major promotion that is outside of uh, all women promotions have a secondary women's title, se- a singles title, I should say, because you have the WWE women's tag team titles, which is a joke in itself. But, you know, we're going to have this TV title ask for the women, which I think is very good. Is it a huge announcement? Depending on how you look at it, I think for the women, I think it is a huge announcement. The one thing that I will take away from this, though, is could they have at least designed it differently from the TNT championship? Just a little bit? Just other than the logo and the blue banner, like try to make it look somewhat different. It's the exact same belt. I like the colors. The colors are nice, but I question whether it's a 
huge announcement. I mean, it's an announcement that I think is exciting, but when you say huge again, and, and this is Tony Khan has done this before. When I hear huge announcement, I'm thinking partnership with some, another promotion. Um, I don't know, a, a third hour on a, on, on rampage, uh, rampage is going to be lot, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the move to TBS is obviously, well, first of all, the, 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 the move to TBS was almost like, kind of like, yeah, this is happening, but you know, not that important. Let's get to the title. Cause even Tony Schiavone was like, yeah, you probably heard about that on social media. Like almost literally downplaying, yeah. Like downplaying it, like making it seem not significant, which, you know, the title itself or the move to TBS, I would imagine TBS, the, the move to TBS is uh, more important, but they made it seem like that was like the afterthought. And t- look, if Tony Khan's going to make the announcement, don't, don't you think Tony Khan should be out there doing it? it? It would make sense. But based on, you know, what we've heard from him, he does not want to be on camera unless it's on Impact Wrestling, uh, you know, burying Impact Wrestling with their right. paid ads. But... Who do you think becomes the first TBS champion? Um, either, well, I think that Jade Cart Cardill is a good pick for that. See, I, I disagree. Because I, you I, think I, she's going to take the belt off for Baker, but I don't see that. They would be ruining her. Well, actually, I shouldn't go that deep because I hate when people say one loss and then they're buried, but they really should book her like Goldberg. So unless unless she wins the TBS title before the T- the women's championship match against Britt, then do it. And then she could be like Goldberg, like he won the U.S. title and the World Heavyweight Championship in WCW. Uh, you got to have her beat Britt Baker. You have to. And I would have Thunder Rosa be the first TBS champion. You got. I think you need a babyface to win that title first. And I know, like Jade against Britt is a heel versus heel dynamic, but Britt is so over right now. It's easy to turn her babyface in that storyline yeah. and then drop the title to Jade. And I know a lot of people are still not quite behind Jade because she's green. But listen. Goldberg was green. Goldberg is still green. And look at the career he had. And I'm not even I'm I'm not even a fan of Goldberg. But you can't deny the success that he had in WCW and the momentum he had for WCW in 1997. Yeah, and I, some people are just going to be sour on Jade because she's her moveset is well, I wouldn't say it's fairly limited, but there are parallels and comparisons to Goldberg. Um, because of the way she dominates matches and that's just going to be something for people to nitpick on. So not everybody needs to do uh, a Panama sunrise or a Tope Suicida. Like it's okay to have a, a different type of match and a different mm-hmm. type of approach. So right. nothing wrong with having a true dominant champion like that. Right. And someone that may one day be a dominant champion is Malachi black. So after Tony Schiavone is leaves they have a quick Darby Allen versus Nick uh, uh, Camarado match that basically went through a commercial break and then Darby won Tony Schiavone comes back out to interview Dante Martin he's like you know what I took Kenny Omega to my limit and I'm gonna challenge whoever comes into this ring lights go out black comes out missed kick Dante Martin's out challenge accepted 
I thought this was a great way to book both these guys right now and give Dante Martin, a young guy, his first real feud on TV, and Malachi Black, another challenger that would be an interesting match, given their different contrast, similar to what we saw uh, with Bobby Fish and Sammy Guevara earlier in the night. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is this is going to be an interesting match when it happens, and also look for the black mask. Uh, like, let's say for example, Dante Martin does some crazy flip off the top rope and black mask. Good night after that. Yeah, so, totally agree. Should be, should be a cool cool spot. Now, I don't think they announced a match yet between those two, but I let this simmer because you know what, Dante Martin on the mic wasn't that bad. He carried his own, you know, for his first like real TV promo. That was a pretty good promo. So let them, you know, go. I would make it a full gear match. Why not? You got to build the car with some matches. I think this would be a good one. So uh, let's move on to women's action. Hikaru Shida was going for win number 50, the first woman to do so in AEW. They have the trophy out ahead of time. And, you know, it, it made it seem like, my God, could they make it more obvious that she's going to win this match. It's going to be a great match regardless. But we know Sheeta's going to win. And then all of a sudden, Serena Deeb wins. Yeah. And in like I, I thought the match was really good. I was not expecting Serena Deeb to win. And kudos to, to AEW for fooling me on this. Yep. I thought this match was really good. I think the crowd was a little dead for it. Um and that's that's mostly because you know we haven't really seen these two positioned in a way to for the fans to really care all that much about them as of late because it's been mostly about Rip Baker right. and whatever Ruby Soho and whatever mm-hmm. else. So can't blame them for that. But uh, the match itself was very good. I did not see Sheeta losing, so it still it still was a good angle at the end though. So I thought it was fun. I think also they were assuming Sheeta was going to win, so. You know, wait till the finish and then it, go for the pop when she wins. But then she didn't win. So it, was, it kept everybody, it got everybody off guard. So very interesting there. So um, right before the main event, though, let's talk about Darby Allen and MJF here. So throughout the night, we had the interview segment with Darby Allen and Jim Ross. And he explains further why he does the face paint, which I'm not mistaken, but I thought they told this at Fighter Fest before Cody Rhodes. But then again, there's a whole new audience that have watched AEW since that first Fighter Fest show. So rehash it because it was two years ago. Some people forget. Or the fact that they weren't watching it. Have that storyline put into there. Then he has his match with Nick Camarado and he wins. Then we know that it's announced Darby Allen and MJF are going to have a match next week on Saturday Night Dynamite. But... Alex Marvez interviews Darby Allen and he's attacked by a bunch of masked men. Now they don't unveil themselves, but the commentary basically are saying it's the pinnacle. As soon as he takes an F 10 onto a pile of uh, barricades and a stop sign, then what appears to be MJF comes out and then they leave. I feel like if that was the pinnacle, they looked much smaller for some reason. That it makes me think that it's not the pinnacle. But the commentary is making you believe it's the pinnacle. And obviously, MJF was the guy that came out last in the limo. Did they need to be masked 
Why were they masked? It was, it's just something that just turned me off with that. Well, I mean, the masks didn't make sense to me because when have they ever tried to hide when they're trying to do something that is on right. blatant, blatant, blatantly against the rules or something they shouldn't be doing. Like they don't, they don't care. They're not, they're a heel group. They don't, they don't care about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like they, they were barred from the arena or had to sneak in. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see if, you know, I, I certainly, I think MJF was one of the guys, I think Wardlow was obviously another one. Um, maybe it wasn't FTR, but I'm willing to bet that it was. So I'll wait till next week to see if that plays into it some way. Uh, the one thing that I will say, the reason why I, I, I didn't mind the segment, Darby Allen is one of their biggest stars, one of their biggest, youngest stars with one of the brightest futures. Mm-hmm. He's also a huge risk taker and sometimes yes. to a fault. We've seen the body bag spot where he got power bombed from the ring onto the, uh, onto the stage. Um, numerous other spots that are just like crazy. Right. The spot last night where he got F10 onto the, uh, the barricades there, that looked like, I mean, there, there was a number of different ways they could have done it. They didn't need to do it that way. He landed hard and hard on his shoulder. And you'd hate to see somebody like Darby who is so young and has so much momentum right now, get her on such a throwaway segment. I mean, they could have kicked the crap out of him and, and left him for dead without doing that. Um, that was the one thing I didn't like about it. Just because I don't, I, I don't need to see the guy get hurt for such a, 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 a throw, not that it's a throwaway segment, but the guy's got to, got to wrestle max and he's got a, lo- a, a long career ahead of him. And I know he likes to do these crazy things, but sometimes somebody has got to prevent him from doing it. Right. And I mean, it's not a throwaway segment because they do tell, I think during the main event or right before the main event that, He's no, he's not clear to compete next week on Saturday Night Dynamite because of the attack. So right. they're prolonging the storyline. I think eventually we're going to get this match at full gear. So and w- which is fine. I think it's better for full gear than it is throwing it on this Saturday Night Dynamite episode. But um, I, I like if it's the pinnacle all along. Why the masks? So that's the only thing, and it. Like if it's the pinnacle the whole time, the masks are stupid. It makes it's so dumb. Like we mm-hmm. know it's the pinnacle. You don't need the masks to like hide them, right? Unless they're going to tell a story that it's not the pinnacle. But I mean, overall, Ralph, I, I feel like this week we did a lot of criticism and a lot of nitpicking, and I didn't mean to make it as negative as I thought. But I, I don't felt think we were negative. <laughs> No, no. I mean, we pretty much said uh, the the majority of the matches we said were good. There was just certain parts that we that we didn't like. I mean, not every show is going to be perfect, and you know when AW is as good as it has been over the past like several months. I mean, when you set the bar that high, you're due to have a, a night where it's not as good. Right. It wasn't a bad episode. It just was what it was. Some things that we didn't like. Maybe right. other people disagree. So what? I'm sure they're going to, you know, tell in the comments, oh, my God, how can you say this? How can you say that? And you know what? That's the beauty of a difference of opinion. So let us know in the comments what you thought of AEW Dynamite anniversary this week. And don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPV Podcast. Subscribe. Hit that bell for notifications. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. <laughs>